Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. All right, everyone, welcome into episode 101. Uh, on the previous episode earlier this week, we rated the guards and the wings and gave them out grades for uh, their season and the 2018-19 season. Uh, on today's episode, we're going to do the same, but this time with the bigs. So we're going to give out report card grades to the bigs. Uh, some of them I have a little bit lower uh, than my guards. I felt like the uh, the front court didn't play as well this season, but we'll get to talking to that. Again, I'm joined as always by Brian and Spencer, and we're just going to hop right into this thing. Uh, we're going to start with Cody Zeller. Cody Zeller, again, uh, his, his injury are, injuries are plaguing him. He only played 49 games this season, and you know clearly when he's on the court, he definitely makes the Hornets better on both sides. Uh, he plays the two-man game with Kimba perfectly. Uh, he's improved on four-on-three situations out of that pick-and-roll, and I feel he's a perfect match for Borrego's actions, like the Chicago action, the DHO, and on the opposite end, defensively, he competes. You know, he's never a shot blocker, but... Um, even when he gets switched on to smaller players, I can trust him, have full confidence in him in defending some of those guards uh, late in the shot clock. Some of the negatives with Zeller, again, is the injury situation and also turnovers. Uh, turnovers are huge with him. He does make a little bit of boneheaded mistakes. But, you know, for all, for all the good that we point out with this guy, it's, it's hard to trust him and it's hard to know uh, how much we're going to see of him next season and years to come. He's consistently missing games. So uh, I'll open this up to you, Spencer. What are, what are your thoughts on Cody Zeller? Yeah, I mean, you, that I was going to bring up the, the injury. You know, plays 49 games this season, played 33 last season. I mean, this is this is obviously a problem at this point. Um, you know, when Zeller's out there, we've talked about it, you know, to ex- the exhaustion point in the past. He's such a good screen setter makes life easier on Kimba and he's such a good roller to the basket. I mean, just his ability to, to draw some attention from the weak side, I think just opens up some, some attacking holes. So, you know, not having that uh, was a problem, but uh, you know, Zeller, if he can't stay healthy, I think the Hornets have to look at at moving on here. And I think they will. I think I said maybe the last episode that I really expect them to try to shop this contract this summer, which, you know, won't be the hardest thing in the NBA this offseason, but but it's also probably not going to be easy considering the guys played less than 90 games, you know, in the last two seasons, so or, or just over that, I guess. So it's um, not, a, not a great sign for Zeller. And, uh, you know, when he was out there, I think he was actually a little less effective to me just overall. Richie, you brought up the, the turnover problem, which has always plagued him a bit. But just, just from a plus, you know, from a on-off perspective, Hornets weren't that much better with him on as they had been in, in seasons past, which was a little bit of a of an eyebrow raise. But look, it's health with Zeller. It, that's what it boils down to. And if you can't stay healthy, the Hornets are going to have to make a hard decision at that position, which I do expect them to uh, to address in the draft. 
Yeah, we, yeah, perhaps uh, one Jackson Hayes from uh, Texas, uh, he'd be an interesting fit. But yeah, Cody Zeller, it's what we said when we did the one of the preview pods before the season started. Like, if this guy plays 65 or 70 games or whatever, like, yeah, Charlotte's probably a playoff team. If he's under that, things are going to be in trouble. And they just <laughs> almost made the playoffs, um, thanks to the the young guys coming along and, and Kemba being amazing. It, at this point, it you know Zeller's health is MKG's three point shot, right? It's like it's one of the it's just one of the white elephants. You're just never going to get it, you know. It feels like, um, which is unfortunate. He's a really good defensive player, even though he doesn't block a ton of shots, sub three percent block rate. But he is a good he is a good interior defender. He's a good defensive rebounder. He's one of the best. Screen setters in the NBA, again, was high in terms of screen assists per 36 minutes. I believe he was top three or five in that, as he has been each of the last probably three seasons. Um, He is a pretty good role player, right? Like, he struggled finishing around the rim a little bit this year, but he still had 43 dunks, so almost one per game. The one thing with Zeller is, if you're one of those people that believes in vertical spacing, this guy doesn't provide it. Like, the Hornets have no one on the roster outside of Bridges that provides vertical spacing. Uh, Zeller only had two alley-oop finishes this season. Like, he does not – like, the the guy needs a bit of a runway to gather some steam and and go up and and throw one down. He's just not – the guy doesn't – as much as the team relies on pick and roll, Zeller doesn't give you that one aspect, even when he is healthy and on the court. But obviously, he's a good player. Um – you know, overall, the pick and pop three point shooting that I think some people were hoping for before the season that never really got online. But the guy is what he is. He's he's a good pick and roll player on both ends of the court. Uh, he's a two way center. He's still young, um, but yeah, it's the the health is what it always comes down to with Cody Zeller. Yeah, I'm gonna go ahead and give him a B for this season. You know, Liz Spencer, you made a mention of this on the previous episode where you're not gonna dock people for the the time that they were out, uh, whether that was a coach's decision or injury. When Cody was healthy, yes, it was just 49 games. I thought he played a pretty big impact on the team, at least worth a B. And then the Twitter poll, uh, you guys were less kind to him, gave him a C. I'm gonna go C um, here as well. I'm gonna agree with the Twitter poll. I just I just thought he was less effective this year. The numbers do look good. Um, didn't that that synergy that, that he and Kimba had didn't just didn't pop off to me uh, mm-hmm. this year. And you know I don't I don't know if it, this is a factor of Zeller losing a step, which I really wouldn't expect. I mean he's, he's going on his 27 year old season here, um, or you know he he just plays more carefully you know, because of all these injuries. But but he didn't pop to me. And the numbers didn't pop either like they had in the past. So I'm, I'm going to go see. Yeah, I went see on uh, Cody Zeller, too. All right, let's uh, let's go ahead and turn the discussion to is Cody Zeller's longtime frontcourt running mate. That would be uh, Marvin Williams, Charlotte's space four. Interesting season for Marvin. 57% of his field goal attempts come on threes. And this guy has really adapted his game um, to much financial success as his career has evolved and as as uh, basketball has become spacier and taking actions taking place further out from the hoop, I give him a lot of credit for doing that, not just for this season, but uh, as on his career. Um, you know, solid season, pick and pop shooting, uh, spot up shooting, 55% effective shooting on no dribble jumpers from spot up possessions. He was one of the better pick and pop shooters in the NBA this season, 63% effective shooting on pick and pops, one point. Two points per possession, which, again, it's a, it's a big number considering he had some decent volume on that. 
Um, I was impressed with Marvin, too, from uh, a standpoint where he was more than willing to play the five and guard guys that are clearly above his his figurative pay grade. You know, him having to guard uh, Giannis Attentacumpo or him having to guard uh, probably, you know, Jokic or Anthony Davis. Like, he just had to guard big stars because it, it just it, – there were no other options. And when Zeller was out at times before Frank Kaminsky got online, like, Marvin was this team's – best center when, when Zeller was out. Um, he never complained once about it. And I think he gets a lot of credit from an intangible perspective yes. too. This guy matters. He's the, the, the loudest defender. He's vocal install, helping install those good habits in, in the young players like Bacon and Bridges and Graham. And I just think he means a lot to the team and the community. And that matters um, for Marvin Williams. And I think overall, like the guy is what he is, you know, he's a space four and he's nothing more than that. Like he, you know, he doesn't really quite attack closeouts with those floaters like he used to. Or, you know, a couple seasons ago, he'd still surprise people with a, with the by dunking on someone big or whatever. That doesn't really happen anymore. But shoots a lot of threes, which is good, and he, he makes he makes a lot of them too after a cold start. So I, I thought overall Marvin was all right this season. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, you just can't Marvin Williams. You can't measure his toughness. There's just there's no way to do it. He's the heartbeat of this team on the defensive end. Brian makes a great point. You know, the Hornets going small this year. You know, he's having to play five and take on even more, you know, of a defensive role in terms of having to guard bigger dudes. Um, career high in three-point attempts this season. The numbers were a little down from behind the arc, certainly from from last year when he was about 41%. But, you know, at the end of the day, Marvin just means so much to this team and their toughness and, and how they – and what their defensive identity is. Um, you know, you have to question how much gas he has left in the tank. I mean, you know, Marvin's going to be 33 years old um, in just a few weeks here. So, and, and I mean, look, this guy has played in the last four seasons, 81 games, 15-16, 76 games, 16-17, 78, 17-18, and this season, 75. He started every single one of those games. Mm-hmm. That's counted out. So the mileage this guy has put on in the last four seasons – being for most of them over 30 years old is is nothing short of remarkable. You have to wonder when it's we always talk about it, but you have to wonder when it's like really going to catch up. And you, you'd like to see the Hornets give this guy probably a bench role moving forward. And I think, you know, his game has transformed because he's clearly older. Uh, and Brian mentioned this where he's not really a closeout beater anymore, but, but I'm sure that's because of his age, and he's adapted. Mm-hmm. He's he's turned into really to strictly a three-point shooter, but he still produces. And I think a lot of Hornets fans are down on Marvin Williams this year. And uh, just kind of judging by their the Twitter poll, um, I thought actually was going to be less than what he received. But he is still a factor on both ends, and both of you guys mentioned the word intangibles. There's a lot of things that you can't measure with Marvin Williams on the court. He is the heart of this team. He does bring it defensively and as a competitor – and that's something that's got to be factored into his grade and how you evaluate a player. And when it comes to the negative side for Marvin Williams, other than his age and not being as bouncy anymore, there's not a whole lot that jumps off the page in terms of just him not playing well. I mean, he doesn't blow you away in any one category, but there's not a lot of negatives that you can point to uh, for Marvin Williams. So I'm going to go ahead and give my grade for Marvin Williams. I gave him a C plus. I almost gave him a B minus, but... I leaned at C plus, and then the poll gave him a C. I actually thought you guys were going to go D. A lot of people are down on Marvin Williams this year. 
Yeah, Richie, I was on the the fence right there with you. I went C plus for Marvin Williams too. Yeah, I, I'm with you guys. C plus for Marvin. Um, all right, let's let's transition to Miles Bridges. Um, this is probably be the, the brightest four minute stretch we'll have maybe of the <laughs> of this episode. Um, look, it looks like the Hornets nailed this pick. You can you can say whatever you want about Shea Gilgis Alexander and you know who should have been taken at 12, 13, whatever. Uh, Miles <laughs> is really good this year. He is as nuclear of an athlete as, as we've seen in Charlotte since, gosh, I, I don't know, Larry Johnson. I mean, this guy jumps completely out of the gym, um, 64% at the rim, you know, showed some promise, albeit a little bit inconsistent, uh, but, but, but showed some promise from being a corner three shooter. When this guy figures it out in terms of attacking a closeout and, and maybe even being able to get to the second side creation-wise, um, you know, and pass the ball at a little bit higher of a level. He really has a chance to to sneak up to that. Like, am I? Do I? Am I almost an all star? You know, I, I don't mm-hmm. think we can totally count that out for Miles Bridges. I don't even think he's going to be. You're going to run your offense through him, or he's really going to be playing in the pick and roll. I think it's possible. Um, but if, you know, that's obviously not the kind of player he is. He's a transition monster. I think he's going to get to 35 uh, percent or higher from behind mm-hmm. the arc. And if he gets anywhere close to the rim with a head of steam, just get out of the way. I mean, that, that's really the kind of player he is. For a rookie, getting 21 minutes, you know, just over 21 minutes per game. You know, Borrego obviously trusted him a lot. Um, you know, he can he can guard three positions defensively. Offensively, he can play at least two positions. There's just some versatility here. And you can see all the spots that he can develop. And we already watched him develop in a lot of those spots this season. I'm very bullish on, on Miles Bridges and was super impressed with him this season. And he, he clearly hit that rookie wall midway through the season. And, and you saw that stretch where he wasn't getting consistent minutes and uh, his production went down. But he definitely showed some promise and some encouraging stuff this season uh, in the beginning and also towards the tail end. Um, he does a good job of attacking and finishing with either hand around the rim. Sometimes I feel like he's right-handed the way that he finishes with his right hand around the rim sometimes. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, you know, there's some beginnings of a three-point shooter. He's still a little bit inconsistent from behind the arc. But you can definitely see the signs that he's going to be or could get up to 36% from behind the arc. I think the one thing that he does need to work out outside of being a better player on the defensive end and more aware is his handle. I think for him to be a true closeout beater, he's got to get a better handle. So that that's some of the things that I'm going to look for in the, the upcoming seasons with Miles Bridges. But again, uh, I really liked what I saw from him out of his rookie season. Yeah, agreed. He's got to work on that above the break three point. I think he, uh, look, I think he, you know, he shot he shot a lot from the corners, but when he did get from above the break, I think he was just under thirty percent, which is not great. And yeah, look, SGA is going to be a total monster with the Clippers, but this is not this isn't Malik Monk over Donovan Mitchell, right? Like this isn't that that type of like the Hornets. They did just fine in the two thousand eighteen draft and. And I think Miles Bridges, either he's going to be a super utility guy or, or like Spencer said, maybe he's got even the, the smallest hint of, of all-star potential. Great shot chart, right? I mean, 85% of his shots are at the rim or they're three-pointers. I mean, how great is that? Like, you don't need to coach this guy up on, hey, we need you shooting from the money areas on the court. 71 dunks this season, which was high on the team. He shot 77% on cuts this season, which is a big number. 68% on putbacks after an offensive rebound. That's a big number. 
Um, he's got a little bit of a post game. You saw them use that high-low action with him, especially early in the year when uh, when he and Willie Aaron and Gomez were on the, the second unit front court. Um, he hit the rookie wall. He came back. Yeah. He played even better. Mm-hmm. And he, to me, seemed like a guy that, while well, I, I don't think he's he's the type of guy where he's the supercomputer, you just give him some information, he can go out and use it immediately. You could see him picking stuff up as the season went along and learning a little bit more here and learning a little bit more there and taking instruction from Kemba Walker and taking instruction from Tony Parker or Marvin Williams or whatever. And I thought that had an impact on where he was by the end of the season. And I think that was impressive. Uh, One last thing I'll sneak in here on Bridges statistically, 25% of his spot of attention, uh, pardon me, 25% 25% of his spot-up possessions were basket drives, so getting all the way to the rim. Uh, 60% shooting on those looks, nearly 1.3 points per possession. Again, there's the difference between he and Nick Batum. And I thought I thought at the end of the season when the Hornets picked up the last couple of weeks, his ability to sort of like function as a short space playmaker and athlete and slip into the hoop and making quick passes and making touch passes and doing that stuff on the break too, I thought it was a huge boon and showed the type of player – the diverse skill set he can perhaps grow into eventually offensively, a guy that can maybe run both sides of a pick and roll. And then think of all the cool handoff actions and fake fake actions you can do with that too. Um, I, I thought this was a good season for uh, Miles Bridges. I gave him uh, a B for his rookie season. What about you, Spencer? Yeah, I, I'm going with B as well. The number one thing I want to see with Miles Bridges is, is his defensive awareness, mm-hmm. defensive IQ and learning to move, yep. slide his feet, move his feet. He has the ability to be a second-team All-NBA defender um, with his versatility and his athleticism and his ability to jump and block shots. He's got to learn where he is on the floor defensively. He's got to learn to slide his feet. Yeah, I think on ball he probably has a better chance, or at least he's shown more promise. Off ball he gets a little bit lost. Uh, I'm going to continue with the trend here, and the Twitter poll was consistent as well. Uh, B's all around for all four of us, the three of us plus the the Twitter poll. Uh, We're going to transition to a player who I think probably had the strangest season of any Hornet on this roster, MKG. Kelly, where do I start? Well, so he... To me, he had a strong start to the season, uh, but he actually ended up with the lowest minutes of his career with just 18 per game. And I thought that he was going to have a bigger factor or a bigger role within JB's system, considering the fact that he moved him to the four. Uh, There'd be more space to operate into, getting to the rim, but... Based off the numbers, he didn't shoot too well from the rim, and sometimes he settled too often for the mid-range shot. Um, he, did, he was a big factor in my eyes uh, when it came to transition play for the Hornets. He always seemed to be around the ball uh, on the defensive rebounding and grabbing that and go and taking it coast-to-coast. But again, his at-the-rim numbers weren't the greatest for someone like, like him. I thought he would finish a little bit better around the rim. And like I said, I just thought he would be a better fit for this system. And as the season progressed, it just did not materialize. Uh, he did not play on a consistent basis. And even his rebounding was lacking. That That's something that's always been a factor with him. I thought his rebounding dipped a little bit this season, and he didn't provide that. So very strange season for MKG. What are your thoughts on MKG, Brian? Yeah, uh, with you, it was unfortunately it fizzled after a fun start. He, he was a, an excellent playmaker and one of the most impactful players the Hornets had in the rotation outside of Kemba early in the season when they got off to a decent start. Um, he even showed a little bit of promise shooting threes this year, right? Like took 29 
corner threes. He made 13 of them. He took 14 above the break threes. He made only three of them. But at least he's taking those shots. I mean, you know, you wish you could be a little more encouraged by that. But really, the volume isn't quite there, although he was shooting those a little more confidently. It feels like he slipped a little bit defensively. And like you said, Richie is rebounding. Uh, numbers took a little bit of a dip. Just 12 dunks this season for MKG, too. And for a guy that doesn't have a three-point game and isn't, like, super explosive at the rim, it, it's sort of tough for him to find his spots offensively, especially since he's not, like, a, a great passer, a great a great playmaker. Um, yeah, like, that. it's sort of tough to see where he fits in. And, and like, I, I was looking at this stuff a couple weeks ago when I was digging up Hornets' dunk numbers over the last decade. Man, early in his career, MKG was a guy that threw down, you know, 50 dunks a season or something like that. Like that just that part of his game is just is just gone now. Even though he plays on a team theoretically with more spacing and, and more pace and, and stuff like that too. I, I I like MKG. Again, he's the he's a, a spirit, he's an intangible guy. He was also but he was also just like missing for some games this season too. Like he, you know, he misses every once in a while for personal reasons. Uh, health is a factor with him. Love this guy, love his energy, love his effort level. Maybe wish he could have had more time as the small ball four playing with Frank Kaminsky as the the space five, you know, like maybe that would have worked. That would have been better suited for him as opposed to him having to cover for all of Willie Aaron and Gomez or Bismack Biombo's sins defensively. But yeah, just a, a tough season for him. And uh, offensively, I just don't, I just don't really know where this guy's at. Unfortunately, it's just, it ain't there. There's nothing really for him to hang his hat on offensively and the defense has slipped a little bit yeah definitely a disappointing season here for mkg like brian says certainly after the start you know there's some positive things here he never attempted more than nine three-pointers in an entire season over his nba career this this year he attempted 47 very obviously borrego and this coaching staff pushing him um to just try that shot more um you know my gut instinct would be that Steve Clifford, you know, this is one of his guys. You know, he was always going to have an opportunity under Steve Clifford. I think he had to really fight for that opportunity under James Borrego. You know, I think he knew he was coming off the bench to start the season, and it proved him in a good way early. But, you know, we we watched it slip um, on both ends of the floor. And, you know, I I, I am concerned about MKG as a player moving forward in, in the league. I think there's some spots he can fit. But, Specifically, I'm concerned about his his future in Charlotte. I, I don't. He's not part of the future plans. I I, I wouldn't guess um, under James Borrego. And you know, I think this player option is something to watch uh, this summer. I, he's a guy that you know physically is very clearly beginning to deteriorate. He doesn't have the burst I think he once had, and I don't know if that's mental or physical. Probably a little bit of both. He'll be 26 years old next season. He's he's still got plenty of time, but. MKG still has nothing to hang his hat on on the NBA. Not one skill set. I mean, it was maybe I can be a lockdown wing defender. You know, I, I think that slipped this year. Still has no discernible offensive skill. Um, I'm, again, I'm just worried about him as a player. And a player that I really, really liked and always pulled for. I think we all did. So um, I'll go ahead and give MKG. We all went, right? Yep. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So I, I'll go I give MKG. A C minus. I don't blame it all on him, um, but you know, after a positive start, for whatever reason, he fell out of the good graces of this rotation, out of the good graces of Borrego, and he he did he didn't appear to respond to that. 
you know, very positively. But you don't want to speculate because he does miss games for personal reasons, and we all know that MKG's battled some stuff in the past. Mm-hmm. And right. So you don't want to speculate, but but it, it was disappointing nonetheless. Yeah, I, I gave him a C. Uh, the Twitter poll gave him a C. And uh, I've always had, um, I guess, an unrealistic expectation of MKG, and I thought that he would turn out to be a little bit better than he did. Uh, disappointing season, but, uh, you know, give him an average grade here. C. Yeah, C2. I appreciate, as always, his effort level, and I appreciate him willing to change his role and adapt um, and be a guy that would come off the bench and guard bigger players. That That's impressive, too. It just it goes to show you the NBA, man, like you can be built like that and you can play hard, but having like effort and motor be your number one skill, it can only get you but so far. And that that's tough. That's tough to see. But yeah, I went C for MKG too. Um, who knows what the future holds. All right. We'll flip over to another former Hornets first round or Charlotte basketball franchise draft pick. That would be one Frank Kaminsky, perhaps one of the more polarizing figures uh in the run of buzz beat um i think we had this podcast you know in the middle of february the the grading for frank kaminsky would be far less rosier but man did he close the season strong and we went into some of that on the on the last podcast a little bit more episode uh 99 or 98 i believe we, we talked a lot about kaminsky but 39 percent effective shooting or pardon me 39 percent shooting on above the break threes just under 66 percent shooting in the restricted area, less from the mid-range. I thought he showed some better one-on-one offensive moves in space against closeouts. But again, that shot profile that I just mentioned, the the volume at the rim and the, and the efficiency from deep too, like that is, that's what you always won for this guy. I think he may have fallen, it, may, it took 3.8 seasons of basketball, but it's like the last two months this year, it's like he fell into it like a space five, coming off the bench, getting to run pick and rolls with an elite pick and roll player like Kemba and letting him be a guy that could pop. I mean, you just saw you you saw what basically should be the ceiling for this guy going forward. And defense is always going to be an issue. He's always going to be limited to that on that end. But, hey, he's seven feet. He's big. And as long as he just, like, is in the right place, you know, and is at least, like, locked in defensively, he's just going to get in the way enough. Um, so I thought he had a, I thought Frank closed the season really strongly and I don't have them in front of me, but Charlotte's efficiency numbers at the end of the year with Kaminsky and Kemba on the court together were pretty good. I believe over 1.1 points per possession, which is good. He had good pick and pop numbers according to Synergy too. Um, he just had a nice seat. He just closed the season strongly doing the things that you would expect from him. Um, you know, forget the dreams of this guy being, you know, Dirk Nowitzki part two, that ship hopefully sailed for every sane person years and years ago. But this role right here, being a cheap backup center that can play 20, 25 minutes a game and give you some offense and some effort defensively, like hopefully this guy can take it at and run, whether it be in Charlotte or somewhere else, because that should be the next eight to 10 years of this guy's life, basically. Yeah, like Brian said, he came in, uh, you know, towards the end of the season, probably the last 20 games or so, and played very, very well and gave us that lasting impression that uh, swayed my grade, and I'm sure it swayed, you know, your guys' grade as well. I would say, though, you know, from front, you know, from start to finish, this is probably statistically Frank's best season, just kind of looking up and down the numbers. Very good at above-the-break threes, and like Brian said, he works that pick-and-pop game very, very well with Kimba. But as a counter to that pick-and-pop game, 
He's definitely shown some flashes in the floater era. We've talked about this before where he just somehow slowly spins and weaves his way to the basket and finishes with that push shot. Uh, And I I feel like he did a really good job this season uh, in that aspect to counter that pick and pop game when defenders are kind of closing out hard on him. Yeah, his deficiencies are still going to be on the defensive end. But I said this on a past podcast this season. I feel like he's competing harder on that end than he has in the past. It may not always bring the same you know, different results, but his his competition on the defensive end is something that you can at least hang your hat on a little bit better, especially this season. Yeah, uh, look, Frank was, in the minutes he was given, he was really good. The word that always pops in my mind when I kind of reflect on the second half of the season where he got an opportunity was just aggression. Like, the guy was very, very aggressive, and he looked – Number one, he looked ready to play when his number was called. Number two, he looked like he had something to prove, which he obviously did. Um, you know, a few things to jump off to me. You know, one of you guys already pointed out how good he was, you know, close to the basket this year, you know, at the rim, 65%. Okay, that's fine. Pretty good for a center. Um, but that, that, that mid-post area, 3 to 10 feet from the basket, almost 57%, way above any other season, He's had in his career, certainly a little bit of an outlier there, maybe in a small sample, of course, but nonetheless, a really good sign. There was just no area on the floor where Frank was awful from. And, and, and in fact, most areas really outside of the mid-range, I guess he was, he was pretty damn good. So um, it looks like we finally landed at, at about <laughs> anywhere from, from 35 to 38% from behind the arc. I mean, the last mm-hmm. two seasons, you know, that he's, he's been, I think, an average of 37. So looks like that's where he's going to land as a three-point shooter. But I just liked his aggression in the minutes he was given. Mm-hmm. He, I was surprised by it, pleasantly surprised. Everyone knows I've <laughs> slandered this guy plenty, <laughs> um, certainly this season, and the way he went about some things off the court. But, that you know, that's that's neither here nor there. He did a great job. In the in, in the in the minutes he was given, the opportunity was given, and you know I'm going to go with my continuous theory that I'm only going to grade you on the, on the opportunity you were given. Frank gets a B plus for me. Yeah, for me, I've got a C plus for Frank Kaminsky at twice at two different points this season. He could have checked out after not getting playing time early on and being just a garbage minutes guy. He came in the middle of the season, played all right, then getting sent back to the bench, having all the trade rumors and all the other stuff swirling off the court and then yeah he finished the season really really strong so twice he sort of knocked that bounce you know pushed that stuff to the side um and here we go uh pick and pops 56 percent effective shooting and on pick and pop possessions where he drove to the basket 57 percent shooting uh low only about 20 possessions according to synergy but those are uh those are decent numbers that's what you always want to see from, from frank so c plus for me I actually thought I was going to be the highest here, but I guess Spencer with that B-plus beats me out. Uh, I'm going to give him a B-minus on the season, and then the Twitter poll gave him a C. Let's uh, kind of do rapid fire for these last two front court players. These players, uh, pretty much a non-factor. We'll start with Bismack Biombo. Um, like I said, pretty much a non-factor in the offensive end. When you force him to play four on three in the pick-and-pop game, uh, he's not going to prove to be a factor. Um, I guess the only thing that's kind of helping him out, he's still proven to be a strong rebounder and a shot blocker. So Bismack Biombo for me, C minus on the season. Uh, yeah, Bismack Biombo. I gave him a C minus as well. Look, 
he's an effort guy, energy guy, culture, character guy, all that great stuff. Biz appears to be a, 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 a much better human being than he is basketball player, which in the grand scheme of things, that's pretty, that's far more important. Uh, it doesn't really help winning basketball games that he is not a winning basketball player. He's also rather expensive. As Spencer said on the last episode, good for him. He's set up his family for generations, but um, yeah, Bismack C minus, and I, I just I can't believe he was starting and playing minutes for this team as they were making a dash for the playoffs. Yeah, and give him credit. You know, he he played so hard. He played hard in those minutes he was given. Um, you know, with all the injuries the Hornets were riddled with at that position this year, still can't catch the ball. Really does nothing outside of rebounding and shot blocking. Bismack, every single day next season. You enjoy that damn seventeen million dollars. Yeah. <laughs> you enjoy that. You soak yeah. it in. That, this yeah. is your this is your victory lap coming in nineteen twenty because that ain't ever gonna come again. <laughs> yeah, agreed. I forgot to mention, uh, the, but the Twitter C, poll gave C, him. C, oh, see, and the Twitter poll gave him a C as well. Uh, it's funny looking back on this season. There is one game that I will remember. Uh, you know, Bizback playing very well in was the Denver game. I don't know why that game sticks out in my mind. Him and Devonte Graham had a good, you know, one-two punch. So the last player that we're going to touch on uh, is Billy Hernan Gomez. To me, he is probably one of, if not the biggest, disappointments on this team. Um, he's a liability on the defensive end. He, he probably, uh, if you had to actually rank him might be the bottom when it comes to defensive end. It's pretty comical to watch him play, you know, defensive pick and roll situations. You know, having said that, he does show some flashes around the rim, some wiggle. Uh, he did have a little bit of that outside shot, but just did not have the the big sample size when it comes to that to know for a fact if that's actually truly in his game. I'm going to give him a D-plus on the season. I just can't see him, you know, being in the same category as everyone else with those Cs. I gave out a lot of Cs for all these players on the Hornets. To me... He's the worst, so I'm going to give him a D plus. Yeah, I went D for Willie Aaron and Gomez. Uh, this was not uh, not a great season. He, he was given plenty of opportunities at the start. Defensively, he's a nightmare in the pick and roll. The synergy numbers, if you want to believe into those, they're not pretty. I won't spit them back out at you because they're just – let's just say they're not good. It, it, they, he grades out as he, as he looked uh, on tape too. Um, certainly skilled offensively, showed a little bit of stretch at times too. You think maybe there's a there still is a backup center that can be help prop up a bench offense somewhere in there, and he's cheap, which is good too. But yeah, ultimately this was a rough season for Billy, especially just all aspects of his defensive game were deficient. Um, so yeah, D for Willie Aaron and Gomez. Yeah, I would consider Willie to be almost hopeless defensively as an NBA player. I, you know, I thought that the Hornets. I thought it was a good trade when they made the you know the trade last year, the mm-hmm. deadline, Rich Cho's last move. I thought, you know, the, the hope for him is can we strike gold on, on maybe an Ennis Cantor? Can he can he develop yep. into that kind of player? Yep. He's, he's not the athlete Cantor is, but a lot of the skill set certainly offensively is similar. But this here's what I would say bothers me the most about Willie. He was in the best shape of his life this season, mm-hmm. bar none, and looked as slow as ever. And, and so you got to wonder, and, and he's so young. You yeah. gotta wonder if he's ever really. He's just. I don't see the path yeah. for him to get there and be able to play important NBA minutes with those defensive liabilities. So C minus. All right. Thanks again, guys, for tuning in to another episode of Buzz Beat. Uh, we'd be happy to discuss these grades on Twitter. So reach out to us to start that conversation. If you have a differing opinion of our report cards for the bigs for the Charlotte Hornets uh, in the 2018-19 season. 
this episode is probably going to cap any kind of review episodes. We're now moving on to the off season officially for the Hornets. The playoffs are still taking place, but our focus as Hornets fans are probably going to be shifted to the draft. So you'll probably hear a little bit more of Spencer and Brian as I take a back seat. Again, give our podcast a five-star review on iTunes. Be sure to subscribe to uh, any of the Blue Wire podcasts that you're interested in, but I would definitely suggest Blue Wire Buckets, which is an NBA-centric podcast. And again, for Spencer, for Brian, I'm Richie. Go Hornets.